Today is the Sunday that goes us to the Feast of the Epiphany, which the church celebrates each year after Christmas, hearing the story of the arrival of the wise men to visit the baby Jesus. And today we will hear that story in two ways. I will first read the account of that event as we find it in Scripture in Matthew's Gospel. And then Adrian Lowry, who is part of our Claremont Presbyterian Church community, and also part of the community of storytellers here at Berkeley, will uh, share a story which illuminates this text and this tradition. Let us listen for God's word to us today. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star and its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then Herod sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there Ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising. When it stopped over the place where the child was, they saw that the star had stopped and they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another way. May God bless our hearing and understanding of this word to us today. The story has been told for centuries now. The story of Gaspar, Melchor, Balthazar, the three wise men, who saw the star in the east and followed it on their swaying beasts over mountains and valleys and deserts until they came to the stable where he was and brought their jeweled caskets of gifts. Ah, what were those gifts? We all know that, of course. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But in that, we're still wrong. You see, the story was told by those who had seen them alight from the weary beasts and stride to the door of the stable with their jeweled caskets in hand. And by those who saw them leave the stable, renewed and on to their next journey. 
But you see, the story is incomplete. And if you listen very carefully, you will hear the whole of it. You will know what happened when the wise men gave their gifts in the stable. And then you too shall know the secret of the gifts. The first to stride in the stable door was Gaspar. Oh, he was resplendent in a velvet cape with flawless fur, with jewels at his throat and his waist. Gaspar was a wealthy man. He paused in front of the door, and the onlookers said, Look, he stops praying because they saw his lips moving. But you see, that wasn't it. Only Gaspar could see that it was the angel Gabriel who stood before the stable door. And only Gaspar could hear the question the angel asked. And who are you? asked the angel, firmly but not unkindly. I am Gaspar, and I come to worship the king. All who enter here, the angel said, must have a gift. Have you a gift? Indeed I have. And he raised before him this heavy box with hard to lift. I bring bars of the purest gold. Your gift, said the angel, must be the essence of yourself. It must be something precious to your soul. Indeed it is, said Gaspar. So it is, and so it shall be, said the angel, and he opened the door to the stable. As Gaspar entered, before the rough wooden walls of the stable, he saw before him the tiny Christ child. His parents sat motionless and silent behind him, and he could sense the presence of the animals. His motion was still in the river watch. A lamplight fell across the small face and glittered in the small, bright eyes. He stood a step forward, and then another, and went to lay his gold at the feet of the child, and then stood erect as he realized this was not his gold. In his hands was a hammer, its head blackened and scarred and as large as a man's fist, and its handle of sinewy wood was longer than a man's forearm. But, 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 he stammered, and behind him the angel said softly, So it is, and so it shall be. You have brought the essence of yourself. Gaspar whirled and said, A hammer! What foul magic is this? None but the magic of truth, the angel said. Your soul has been turned into a hammer of greed. You have used it to pound wealth out of those who labor so that you may live in luxury. You have used it to build mansions while others live in hovels. You have raised it against friends and turned them into enemies. You have raised it against enemies to destroy them. Gaspar knew the angel's words were true. Bowing his head in shame, he sidled toward the door, and the angel stopped him. No, you must leave your gift. A hammer? I can't give a hammer to a king. But you must, said the angel. You have carried this for far too long. And even now, your arms ache with the weight of it. You cannot take it any further with you. And again, as far as the angel spoke the truth, and he got down, and he laid the rough tool feet of the infant Savior. As he turned to leave, he glanced back only a moment to 
You see the small, bright eyes glittering in the dark. They say as he left the stable, that he has smile that wreathed his face, and his hands were raised as though the wings of angels graced the tips of them. So much the world saw, and so the story has been told. The next to approach the stable was Melchior. Well, he was not as resplendent as Gaspar, for he wore the darker robes of a scholar. But the length of his beard and the furrows in his brow bespoke of one who lived long with the wisdom of the ages. He too approached the door, and he too paused before it, because the angel, only he could see, posed the question, Have you a gift? Indeed I have, said Melchior. I bring frankincense. The scent of hidden lands and bygone days. Your gift, said the angel, must be the essence of yourself. It must be something precious to your soul. It is, said Melchior. So it is, and so it shall be, said the angel. And he opened the door. In all of his years of searching for elusive truth, Melchior had never sensed a presence as the one he did as he entered the stable. Falling to its knees, he shuffled forward and reached beneath his robe to pull out the silver flask and the precious ointment, and then stopped and stood erect, aghast, because what was in his hands was not the silver flask. It was a crude clay vessel, stained, as might be found in the humblest of cupboards. He pulled the stopper and sniffed it and snarled, what foul magic is this? This is not the frankincense that I brought. What is it? asked the angel. It's vinegar, he snarled. So it is, said the angel, and so it shall be. You have brought the essence of yourself, a life hardened and bitter by hatred and resentment. You have hoarded those resentments and breathed on sparks of anger until they burn as embers within. In your search for truth, you have filled your life with poison. Gaspar, Gaspar knew he spoke the truth. And he turned to leave, trying to hide the flask in his coat. And the angel stopped him and said, No, you must leave your gift. Oh, how I wish I could, Melchor said. How long have I yearned to empty my soul of its bitterness? You have spoken the truth, my friend. But I cannot leave this here at the feet of love and innocence. But you must, said the angel, if you would be clean. This is the only place you may leave it. But this is vile and bitter stuff. What if the child should touch us to his lips? No part protested. That is a worry you must leave to heaven, said the angel. There is a use for vinegar. And so Melchor bent down and left the rough vessel at the foot of Christ's child. And they say as he exited the stable that his eyes shone with the clearest light of heaven's wisdom, that his face was as smooth as a young man, and he gazed on horizons he had never seen before. So much the world saw, and so the story has been told.
The last to approach the stable strode forward, his back as tall and straight as a tree, his shoulders like an oaken beam. He walked as one born to command. This was Balthazar, leader of many legions, scourge of walled cities, and he carried before him a finely wrought brass bound box. <coughs> Look, said the onlookers, even if Balthazar pauses to pay obeisance at the door of the stable. <clears throat> but we know. It was the angel Gabriel who made him pause. And we know, too, the question that the angel asked. Have you a gift? I have, said Balthazar. I bring a myrrh, the most precious treasure of my boldest conquests. Many have fought and died for centuries for such as this. It is the essence of the rarest herb. Is it, asked the angel, the essence of yourself? Indeed it is. Said Gaspar, excuse me, said Melchor. Balthazar. <laughs> Indeed it is. So it is. And so we shall see, said the angel. And he opened the door to the stable. Even the fearless Balthazar had never sensed a presence like this, and he felt a weakness in his knees he'd never felt before. As he fell to his knees and shuffled through the straw, he bowed his head almost to the floor as he held the handle of the box and released it. And he raised up and opened his eyes. But what he saw in front of him was his own sphere, his smooth shaft still glistening with the sweat of his palm, the ceiling tip glinting from the light of the lamp. Many enemies have cast a spell and turned your soul into a spear. You speak in riddles, said Balthazar. I'll teach you to jest at a time like this. And he raised his fist as if to strike. Unflinchingly, Gabriel continued, living only to conquer, you have been conquered. Each victory of one enemy leads you to yet another enemy, another foe more formidable. Do you think I'd like to kill? asked Balthazar. You angels know nothing of this world. Why, even now, my enemies are amassing armies to invade us. I must leave this holy place and go and gather armies. And then I must gather more swords and more. More? asked the angel. More <coughs> than what? Why, more than we have now. Why, more than my enemies have. And will they too? asked the angel. Need more? Balthazar heard the words deep within, vaguely familiar. Was it a question he had sometimes asked himself, but pushed it aside as one who dared not doubt? He picked up the spear, said, I, I can't leave this here. My people need it. I can't afford to give it up. Can you, asked the angel, afford to keep it? Drop our spears. We cannot take that risk. Yes, said the angel, it is a risk. But your way is a certainty of spears. And again, the sweat of his palm moistened the shaft of the spear as the beads of sweat stood out on his forehead as the words of the angel 
played and wrestled with centuries of warrior instinct, slowly reached forward and released his grip on the spear and let it drop to the floor. Here? Is it safe to leave it here? He asked. The angel released a long, held breath. Yes, this is the only safe place to leave it. But it's dangerous and sharp. The child might pierce his flesh. That is a war you must leave to heaven, said the angel. There is a place for a spear. They say, as Balthazar emerged from the stable, he went first to Gaspar and then to Melchor and embraced them as brothers. And then he went to the next and the next and the next of those who waited outside the stable and embraced them and folding them in his arms as friends he had not seen in a very long time. So much the world saw, and so the story has been told. And you have listened well. And now you know the whole of it. Now you too may enter the stable of the Christ child. There too you may leave those secret, unseen things that only can be safely left there. And like my three wise men of old, you too can be the holy place renewed for your next journeys. And what of the gifts, you ask? The hammer and the vinegar and the spear? Ah, oh, well, there's another story about them some years later. In fact, on a lonely hill outside of Jerusalem. But that is a burden that heaven took upon itself, as only heaven can and will to this very day. <laughs>